Hello, Glynis. Hi, how are you, my friend? Good. Um, in the High Court last year, November 19th, to cut a long story short, I was in the High Court on a rape case of my own. Uh, victim support weren't there. I was all by myself. Um, call come and collect. Tried to be. Sitting two seats away from the person who raped me with no screening. That was okay. Well, sort of okay. Mm. I was put down in the courtroom, victimised a little bit, but I just turned to them and said, I beg your pardon, I was raped. I was assaulted. Went out of the courtroom, came back, got two years. I won my case. Wow. Because I was firm. I was upset, Andrew, but I was straight up and direct with the person. I looked him right in the eye and I said, excuse me, I was raped, I was assaulted. And I used the word I, and the jury believed me. And I won. Uh, I the, won. The report talks uh, long and hard about the, po- you know, the, the, the huge problem that we have and that mm. much of it is he said, she said. Mm, no, I, I, just, I just stated my case to the... To the um, Already caught to the judge, and, mm. and and I won because I was well. I can't believe what how I I was so, quite very relaxed. I, I I wasn't. I was upset, but not crying. I was more saying, "You're not going to talk to me like this. You're not going to put me down to the ground." And I won my case. Um, the the report says that people feel unsupported and disempowered by the well, justice I system. I was basically put down like saying, you weren't this, you didn't, this never happened to you. I said, I beg your pardon, it did happen to me, and it's the way I said it, Andrew. No, I, it I, I, I understand, and I'm very proud yeah. of you. And But what I'm saying is, you said that you didn't have victim support there to help you at the they time. They were going to come, but they never turned up. Um, and, and you were, were you, um, who was I defending just, you? No, I just had the police, that's all. No, no friends, nobody, just by myself. So, so when the report says people feel unsupported and disempowered mm. Uh, mm. by the system, mm. by also the community, by the non-governmental mm. organisations and all that sort of stuff, mm. uh, by the government services that are supposed to be there to help victims, you'd, oh. you'd agree with that, really? Oh, yeah, I did. I, I asked them, where, where were you when I needed you as a song goes? Oh, they never, they never turned. They said they were going to come, but never turned up. So I thought, right, I want to do something. I do it on my, I'll do it my way, do it mm. on my own. Mm. If you're not going to help me, I'll just be there. I'll, I'll do it my way. All right. Glynis, well done. Thank you. Bye. You strong woman, you. I am a very strong person. Yes, Thank you are. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh- now, Kingy, welcome to the program. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, Andrew. How are you? Good. Are you the fellow who's been texting me saying that you work as a defence lawyer in Monaco and you'd like to offer a different option on Māori and criminal justice? Yes, yes. I was just slightly triggered by the um, earlier conversations and just wanted to offer a different view about Māori and the criminal justice system. Um, but, you know, I'm really pleased to listen to your show and hear so much discussion on, you know, what is a an area I think that we've been um, lacking coverage on in terms of the justice system. Um, but just the point about Māori and, and colonisation, um, I, I guess what I like to use as a, as a house analogy, imagine you're living in your home with your family and then one day uh, a group of strange people move in um, and take over your, your home uh, and your way of life. And, um, of course, that's kind of the analogy I'd like to use about criminal justice, but can, can uh, Maori and, and okay. colonisation. Now, you name me one person. So, you name me one person alive in this society and, and subject to this criminal justice system who actually was in a situation where that has happened. Because you know the colonisation happened 150 years ago. How long? Yes, how long is, can you I mean, keep on saying this? Until until the issues change, um, that's that's the problem. Is 
the legacy of colonisation is still alive today. The fact that if you're a Māori person um, charged with the same crime as a non-Māori, you're more likely to be arrested for that crime, more likely to face charges in the court, more likely to go to jail. So it's not just kind of my opinion, it's, it's there's evidence to suggest that Māori are treated differently. And when you look at the reasons for why they're treated differently, there are kind of no other uh, rational reasons besides that there is uh, unconscious bias and that the systems that we have in place treat Māori differently. Uh, and colonisation in the background has played a, a really okay. important kind of part in, in those issues. Okay, but can I explain my, my, my approach? I understand that colonisation happened. I totally... I totally understand. Imagine you're living in a house and suddenly a new family comes and lives there and you end up you know, under a tree. Totally get that. What yeah. I don't get is when you get advisory groups coming out with reports at a time where there does obviously need to be something, something needs to happen. We've been saying this forever. You know, I'm talk back host. This has been going on forever. Yeah. And I keep on hearing it and then I start hearing a very convoluted. There was a great editorial actually in the Sunday Star Times by some, some fella from the University of, of Auckland from Ngāti Urakawa who was going on and on about colonisation. I'm like, stop that and start telling me what a Maori-led criminal justice system initiative would be be that is going to make a difference but also respect the fact that we're all under one law yeah we do have some initiatives at the moment um that are you know like i liked your, your cordial earlier about victims not um you know feeling like they're hurt in the justice mm. system there are some kind of maori pilot programs that, that go on marae uh, and community panels where the, the victim is kind of a more active participant and it's not so adversarial so there are some of those low-level crimes especially that that are in the court where we need to divert them away from the justice system avoid at all costs um bringing people into the justice system because what i see in monaco is once you have a young man in the system um they more often or not um, graduate to prison once they're in prison that is uh, really a university for becoming a a seasoned criminal and then their children go through the same process and so forth and so forth okay so that's kind of so, like, and of course all the texters have been saying all day long with well, a very simple thing to prevent Maori getting into the criminal justice system is don't commit crime. Yes, and that's that's a very simplistic kind of answer to a much deeper question. It's kind of the idea of we're all the same. It's easy to say that, I guess, if you have never suffered prejudice, um, if you've never, um, you know, if you come from a privileged background, myself, I'm Maori and Pākehā, I went to King's College, I've had a very privileged life, but a lot of my clients don't have that, that privilege. Yeah. Uh, if you're Maori or Pacifica, you, you are treated differently, and the police have acknowledged that, the justice sector have acknowledged that. So I think it's really good that we have discussions, but my concern is just making sure that there are there's accurate information in the public sphere so that people aren't misinformed about about the issues again there's there's the cost as well from a cost point of view do we want to keep spending billions of dollars do we want to spend a hundred thousand dollars per year housing someone in a prison are yeah. there other alternatives like rehab that are much more cost effective and actually address why people offend so um <clears throat> if maori are offending at a higher rate than other mm. other people in this society. Um, how can we decrease that number? I think there's, it's, there are lots of different things to do. I think firstly, it's about um, better interventions early to stop um, those kind of uh, you know low-level criminal activities, not bringing them into the, into court and then getting involved with more serious stuff. So having, like I said before, having kind of community panels where you have a, a group of maybe um, professionals that include a doctor, a social worker that 
come, you know, uh, get the person before them and talk about why is it that you drove without a licence, why is it that you um, stole from the supermarket, um, and more often than not, there's issues like poverty and drug addiction. So treating that rather than just giving them a fine that they can't pay. Okay, uh, well, they, and again, uh, that's after they've committed the offence. You come in and you do the restorative justice thing, and I understand that. I understand right. restorative yeah. justice uh, versus yeah. you know the adversarial system, and it's all lovely, and, and everyone mm. gets together and has a good old quarter all about it, and then, and then hopefully they decide not to do it. But the question I've said mm. right from the beginning is how do you stop them doing it in the first place? How do you actually get within, as a Maori-led justice initiative, the Maori-led justice initiative I want is for more Maori to be more respectful of their own people, uh, people's personal health and safety in terms of violence and and, and death and goodness knows what else, uh, about Mm. consent issues when it comes to rape, it's, I want them to be more respectful of that, and that, and then they won't, then they won't be in the, the system, you know. Same. And so, yeah. and, and I, I think, think everyone th- wants that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I, th- um, <coughs> yeah. And it's a really difficult question. It's going to take a generation to, to fix. It's not something we can do overnight because what we left here is. Um, a legacy of of an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. We are intervening far too late in, in problems. You have um, Maori children that have been through state care who have their own children, whole whānau that are um, you know so affected by by that process. So it's about therapeutic intervention, like you said earlier, rather than punishment. <clears throat> yeah. Because punishment doesn't work. It doesn't deter people. I think our courts are now open to that, and really it just comes down to I think the wider public being a bit well, more... <clears throat> to take your analogy, I think the courts are the um, ambulance or the paddy wagon at the bottom of the cliff. And I would want, um, particularly when it comes to Māori offending, um, some fences at the top of the cliff, and I'm not seeing it happen. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a big believer in the adversarial system, but I think that in New Zealand we don't have some of the uh, amendments to our laws that would protect victims within the system, and I think that's what we're missing. Is um, I used to volunteer for victim support, and I've done a lot of support, court support for various kind of victims of crime. Yeah. And and we don't have, you know, in America they have what they call rape shield laws, and in um, other developed countries with adver- adversarial systems, they have also victim shield laws, which so, means anything... Yeah, I was going to say, can you please talk me through this? Okay, so what that means is that any pieces of information that are irrelevant to the proceedings are not allowed to be entered. So if, say, a victim of rape was a prostitute, that would not be allowed to be included in in the court hearing. They would not. Her occupation would be irrelevant. And if she so, been, what about uh, therefore past sexual behaviour? You know, let's let's forget about being a prostitute. Let's get right down to you know. Um, um, uh, the, the uh, common denominator, if someone has, just a civilian has taken a rape complaint, would that also mean past sexual behaviour of that person? Not, you know. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. So all of that's protected. So under the under the US rape shield laws, nothing about the victim's behaviour is brought into evidence. So there's no there's no what was they wearing, what were you doing immediately prior. None of that is allowed to be included. In the same way, they in New Zealand we shield offenders where 
prior acts of um, prior criminal acts are not brought in to current court if they don't relate. The same applies to victims, mm. and I think we because we don't have that, we are putting victims frequently through a very traumatising process a second time around because they somehow are blamed. And we're very good at victim blaming in New Zealand okay. that there's, there's mm. something that the person did that brought it on. And it's not just in relation to sexual assaults and violence. It's actually any kind of assault. What did you do to provoke that person to punch you in the face? Mm. It's like, well, actually, I didn't do anything. I was walking down the street and the guy just punched me in the face for no reason. Mm. And, and we don't shield our victims from that sort of assumption that's, that's, that they did see, something. I can see that to a certain degree, 